a crown of thorns placed on his head. He knew that he would soon be dead. He said, did you forget me, Father, did you? They nailed him to a wooden cross soon. All the world would feel the loss of Christ. soldier who had used his sword to pierce the body of our Lord said truly this is Jesus Christ our Savior he looked with fear upon his sword then he turned his face to Christ our Lord and he fell to his knees crying hallelujah
three days went by and again they came to move the stone and to bless the slain with oil and spices anointing hallelujah but as they went to move the stone they saw that they were not alone but jesus christ had risen hallelujah come on church hallelujah come on Says the Lord is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. The Lord is risen. Okay, now we're going to do it in Greek. You ready? Christos, honesty, and you say honesty, alethos. Ready? Honesty, alethos. Christo, honesty. I'm sorry. Christo, honesty. Honesty, alethos. Now. You can impress all your Greek Orthodox friends with that. Because they'll be saying it for the next 40 days. So go up to the windmill restaurant, or if you see ex-Mayor John Thotis, just go up and say, Christos Anesti. That's what you tell you. Watch his jaw drop to the ground. Hey, turn and greet each other in the name of Jesus Christ. Happy Easter. Son set us free, we shall be free indeed. Yes. Tell your neighbor, I am free in Christ. Come on, tell your other neighbor, I am free in Christ. Come on, let's sing this out. Come on now, through you, the blind will see, through you, the mute will sing, through you, the dead will rise, through you, our hearts with praise. Through you the darkness flees. Through you my heart screams, I am free. All right, just echo after us, repeat after us, church. Here we go. Come on, sing it out loud. I am free to run. Through you, the dead will rise. 
Thank you, Jesus. you once again for coming up look at all the kiddos wow we got a hat person to do anybody else have their Easter bonnet on Easter hats Heyman did you have one <laughs> there you go I thought so <laughs> sweet well I'm Karen Robertson I do children and family ministries here and um, happy Easter wow we've been talking about this a long time haven't we so one of the things that I like to do is, uh, in a fun way, we can tell the Easter story with the resurrection eggs. I don't know if any of you have these at home, but it's a really good way to learn the story. So I need seven helpers. Parker, and who else knows the Easter story? Miko? Okay. Chloe, Annabelle, I need four more. You think you know it, Macy? Okay, we'll give it a try. Sophie and Lily, how many is that? And I need one helper. Melissa, can you help me hold the eggs? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an egg, and inside the egg is a symbol, and you have to tell me what this symbol means, okay? Open it up. Which one he wrote on the back here? Sunday, Palm Sunday was last week. You're right. Okay, egg number two. Can you open that up, Macy? Okay. What are those? And he was praying in the garden, wasn't he? That was important for Jesus to be praying because he knew his time had come. Okay, Annabelle, can I take those? What do you have in yours? Ooh, what is the cup a symbol of? From the Last Supper. The Last Supper, the last time he was to see his disciples. Okay, Chloe. The cross. It's when he died on the cross to forgive our sins. Nails. Nails, you're right. When did Jesus die, actually? What day? Good Friday. Okay, Parker. I have the cross, the cross and Jesus. The cross represents the blood that they wiped from Jesus. What do you call it? They wiped the blood. They wiped 
They wrapped his body in the his body in it. You're right, Parker. Okay. Lily, what's in yours? Can you show everybody? Oops. Um, the rock is for, um, it's a symbol for the rock that they use to block the tomb. Good job. Okay, and I need one more helper. One more. Okay, come on up, Miklo. So this is the most important egg. <laughs> I know, it's a long way down there. Okay, so you gotta open this egg, and everybody, what's in it? Nothing. Why is there nothing in it? Because God disappeared when, uh, in three days. Jesus rose, didn't he, in three days? And so when they went to the tomb, there was nothing in there. Jesus had risen, and that is the good news we shared today, isn't it? Wonderful job, Miklo. I'm impressed. So now you know there are simple things you can do with your kiddos in, um, in ways that celebrate Easter. So let's have a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ways that you inspire us and the ways that you uh, hold us near and dear to your heart. Allow us to read your scriptures and, um, and know the Easter story is not about bunnies and chocolate, but it's a truly about you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand and continue to celebrate God's victory over sin and death. One, two, one, two, three, four. Let love explode and bring the dead to life. A love so bold a revolution somehow let love explode and bring the dead to life a love so bold to see a revolution somehow now I'm lost in your freedom Oh, this world I'll overcome My God's not dead, he's surely alive And he's living on the inside, roaring like a lion My God's not dead, he's surely alive And he's living on the inside, roaring like a lion Roaring, he's roaring hope arise and make the darkness hide my faith is dead I need a resurrection somehow now I'm lost in your freedom hold oh, this world I'll overcome my God's not dead he's surely alive he's 
living on the inside, roaring like a lion. God's not dead, he's surely alive. And he's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. He's roaring, he's roaring, he's roaring like a lion. He's roaring, let heaven roar and fire fall. Come shake the ground with the sound of revival. Let heaven roar and fire fall. Come shake the ground with the sound of revival. And he's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. My God's not dead, he's surely alive. And he's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. My God's not dead, he's surely alive. And he's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. My God's not dead, he's surely alive. And he's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. He's roaring, he's roaring, he's roaring. Be my 
today to experience you in a new way. We want to honor you with our worship. So Lord, we invite you here, your presence and your Holy Spirit, right here, right now. Lord, we, we come from different places, different uh, uh, paths of life. Sometimes it's a struggle, Lord. And we need, we need a, a word of hope. And also, Lord, we, we, we come praising you for the things that... Uh, have gone uh, extremely well. We praise you for those. And Lord, for those who need, need to, to hear from you, whether it be a, a healing touch or, or uh, maybe a life situation, uh, Lord, we, you've put on our, our hearts and minds the names of those whom we need to be praying for. So hear those names as we lift them up to you now. Lord God, hear all the spoken and unspoken prayers. And now hear us as we pray together the, the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, do you remember the Greek? Christos Anesti? No. <laughs> Hilithos honesty. Yeah, yeah. Another one. Then this will be the last Greek, I, I, I swear. Um, in Matthew, it says, He is not here, He is risen. The word there for He is risen is the Greek word, Egiro. 
Isn't it exciting that that word begins with egg? It means he is risen. You'll never look at an Easter egg again uh, at, without thinking about eggiro, will you? You look at an Easter egg, you can think of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, we've been looking at uh, passages of Scripture that have been questions that Jesus has asked during his ministry. And we have one that is asked of a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene at the tomb after Jesus had rose from the dead. And it comes from John 20, verses 11 through 15. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over the, and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but he, she did not rec realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy word. Let's pray. Lord God, speak to us through your holy word. And I ask that this witness to your word will be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. For a few moments, I want to take you back to that first Easter. The very first Easter. It was a day that started in devotion. Even in the midst of deepest sorrows, there was devotion to the now dead rabbi whom people had followed, followed. For Mary of Magdalene, she's the one that went to the tomb early in the morning. This is what we know. She was at the crucifixion. She was there. She witnessed the whole horrid thing, the death of Jesus and the two others hanging on the cross, on crosses. The crucifixion was used by the Roman Empire at this time. They borrowed it from earlier empires. And they used it because they believed it was the worst possible death that anybody could die from. There was excruciating pain. And there was excruciating suffocation. Now let me explain that to you. The reason I say suffocation is because when they would pierce the hands and, and, and they would hold them out and they would put them on the cross, they would also pierce the, their, their feet and attach that to the cross attached the body to the cross. And when they did that, the body would sag down. And as it would sag down, it would make it extremely hard to exhale. You can inhale, but not exhale. So in order to actually breathe, to exhale, the person being crucified would have to put all of the weight on the, the pierced feet and push up in order to exhale. Now, the words that Jesus said upon the cross, I want you to remember that in order for him to even talk, he would have had to do that. Excruciating pain all the way around. So much so that the Latin word excruciate comes from two other words, crucify and cross. Well, why talk about the crucifixion? It's Easter Sunday, right? Right? 
Well, that's a good question. Why do it? I mean, after all, it's kind of depressing and it, it makes, us, makes us feel uneasy. I mean, we've been having a pretty good time of celebrating the resurrection until this guy gets up and starts talking about the crucifixion, right? Billy Graham put it this way. The cross and the resurrection were linked together. They are supposed to be linked. Without the resurrection, the cross is meaningless. Apart from the resurrection, the cross is a tragedy and a defeat. In order for you to experience the resurrection, there must first be a crucifixion. You must understand what Jesus went through in order for the, 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 the resurrection to have much meaning. The most important events in human history were the, were the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Paul, the Apostle Paul, in, second, or in 1 Corinthians 15, put it this way. He said, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you are still in your sin. So when you put the two together, something real and authentic happens within each one of us when we understand that the two are inseparable. We take a quantum leap in our faith. I want you to think about the first time maybe you as a child ever saw a TV presentation or a movie presentation of Jesus on the cross, the crucifixion. Or think of, a, think of a child and their first time as they watch a scene where Jesus is on the cross. Something happens to them. It's the first time they realize that wonderful and kind Jesus, the Jesus that loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so, this loving Jesus has enemies. And that the gospel of God has enemies. And for them, the child, nothing will be the same again. The lovely stories of Jesus are still there. The love of Jesus is still there. But they take on a whole new meaning. Their faith makes this mega jump forward. But first comes question. Maybe you still ask the questions of why. Why are they doing that to Jesus? My own two sons, when this happened, when they first saw a portrayal of the crucifixion, they both were visibly shaken and upset. Just by watching the scene of Christ's passion play out, asking why, why would anybody do that to Jesus? You know, I wish, I wish I could have, could have kept them from that reality of life. But I couldn't. They had to know the gospel of Jesus Christ has enemies in this world. And that's what the crucifixion is all about. And Mary Magdalene was there to see it all. All the ugliness, all the details, the horrid act of crucifixion was being played out right before her eyes. She saw the whole thing to the very end. 
not only to the death, but she stayed there to find out what would happen to the body. What's going to happen to Jesus' body once they take it down from the, the cross? Well, as we read on in the story, and it's told in both Ma- on, on all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus asked permission to take the body, and they buried, it in, uh, buried the body in a, uh, in, a, in a new tomb, and they put a stone over the front. And they had to do it in haste because night was coming on and it was going to be the Sabbath and they could not do any work on the Sabbath. So if it was going to be done, it had to be done immediately and quickly. Well, the the Bible's careful to tell us that Mary Magdalene and a few other women were there and they watched. They sat and they watched the burial of Jesus. And they know that it was done in haste. And they know that it needed extra attention, but there was nothing they could do until after the Sabbath. And now, after the Sabbath, very, very early in the morning, comes their first chance to finish the job. And Mary Magdalene was self-appointed, took it upon herself to make sure Jesus' body was anointed and entombed properly. Now, She was going to the tomb. She got some other women to go with her. You can read this in the other texts. And I'm sure that as they're walking to the tomb, the one question they're asking themselves is, who's going to roll the, to- the, the stone away from the opening? We can't, we're not strong enough to do that. Who's going to do it for us? But when she got there, she noticed that the stone had already been rolled away. And she didn't even do much, much uh, uh, viewing only that she knew the body was gone. And immediately, in her mind, she, just, she, she thought, it's not enough that, that they had to humiliate Jesus and, and crucify him, but now they, they, had, they had to steal his body? And she is, she's totally uh, upset to the point that she doesn't know what to do. So she, run, she, she runs to, to find Peter, in John, to the disciples, she said, they've taken the body. They've taken the body of Jesus, and I don't know where they've laid it. And Peter and John, they, they, they ta- take off immediately from the city, and they, they run out to where the, the, the tomb was. And Peter's a lot older than, than John, so guess what? John gets there first. And he stops and at, right outside the tomb, and he looks in. He sees, he sees the linen cloths. He sees everything where it is, and he's looking around. Peter comes. You know how Peter is. He just, he just barges right in. And he looks around. He sees everything. He takes a really good look, notices that Jesus isn't there, and then he turns around and he goes. John then goes in the tomb, and it says an interesting thing. Remember, John is, is writing the Gospel of John. He says that he looks, he sees, and he believes. It's like for the first time, he said, yeah, this is... This is what Jesus was talking about, that, that he would raise from the dead, that he would, he would actually, actually live again. He would raise from the dead. And so he saw it. He didn't really understand everything, but he believed it. And then he's gone. They, all go, they both go back to the house, I guess, to, to where they live. Typical men. Yep, body's gone. But Mary by this time, gets back to the tomb. 
and she's uncons- uh, inconsolable. She is crying, she's wailing, she's weeping. And she looks in the tomb and she sees two angels dressed in white. That should have been her first clue right there. But understand that, that this is the first Easter. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't understand this resurrection morning. She still is thinking about the body of her teacher, her rabbi, the one who, who made her understand that her sins are forgiven. Woman, what are you looking for? Why are you crying? The questions came, came from the angels. Why are you crying? And uh, she said, they've taken away the body of my Lord, and I don't know where he's at, where they laid him. And then she turns around and she sees someone standing there, and it's Jesus. And Jesus looks at her, and she says, he says, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Mary is looking right at Jesus, and he has to ask, who are you looking for? But once again, understand that Mary, this is the first resurrection day, and, and she didn't, she, all she's thinking about is a dead body. Who are you looking for? Mary, thinking that he's the gardener, said, you know, if you've, if you've moved his body, tell me, tell me where you laid him so I might go and, and take care of him. And then Jesus looked at her and said one word that, that immediately changed her. He said her name. Mary. And in that moment, she knew that this was Jesus, her teacher. And she says, Rabboni, which means teacher. And she, she gets it. The one that she saw die and be buried in the tomb is now standing before her alive, resurrected. The story goes on. And you can read the story of the interaction between Jesus and, and Mary. But the thing that I just want you to see is that, that Jesus wants her to, uh, to go and tell. He says, go and said to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending my father and your father to my God and your God. Go and tell what you've seen, what you know. Share with others. And so Mary becomes the first person to be able to go to somebody and say, the Lord is risen. I have seen the Lord. And I I think what this story is for us is that we need to be like Mary. The message today is to be more like Mary to be willing to go and to share our faith in Jesus Christ with others. How many absolutely love flying on commercial airplanes? Anybody? Those who raised your hand, you're weird. 
I hate it. I try to I I try to avoid it as much as possible, but when we go on the Mexico mission trip, you just got to do it. And I remember uh, the day coming back was one of those terrible, terrible flight days where first we had to cross the border. And, and so you remember the president was saying, oh, shut down the borders. And so the, 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 the border lines were like four hours long. And we decided we wanted to get there almost as soon as they opened up so we could get across in less of a line. And so we did it. We got there around 6.15 in the morning. Got across the border. Now the trouble is our flight didn't take off until like 2.30 in the afternoon. So we're sitting in the airport, Harlingen, Texas. And then we get on, on board Harlingen. We, we fly to Houston. And then from Houston, after a layover, we, we fly to O'Hare. In O'Hare, we fly to Moline. Needless to say, we got home about 10.30 that night. But an interesting thing happened to me on the way from Harlingen, to, or from the way to, from Houston to Chicago. Flight was packed out. And um, uh, a friend of mine who was on the trip, his name's Frank Ortiz, he, he said, uh, watch, watch my stuff for me. I said, okay. And like 20 minutes later, he's still gone, lost somewhere in the Houston airport. And uh, so I call him, I said, you know, Frank, everybody's boarded. They're about ready to close the doors. You, you got to get here. He said, okay, I'm on my way. And you know, I'm waiting, and I, you know, I explained to them, I got this little problem. I said, don't worry, we're, we still have some time. And I'm sitting there, you know, with his bag, my bag, and I said, where's Frank? And soon I see him coming down the, the, the hallway carrying a Coke and a Whataburger bag. <laughs> Do you know what Whataburger is? I've never had the experience, but he found one in the airport and was bound and determined to wait in line until he got his Whataburger. I said, Frank, you've got to be kidding me. Get on the plane. So... We were going to be sitting together, and, and we get up, we're the last ones on. And we go to our, our place, and uh, there's like three seats. You know, you know how it is. Like, I'm a big guy, and you're just in, a, you're just in other people's space, and they're in my space, and it's just, it's frustrating. So I, uh, <clears throat> I, I you know, I, I, okay, we get to our row. And there's this big guy, big Texan, sitting in my seat. And uh, we, we sort of point to the seats. He says, oh, okay. And he moves over to the, to the window seat. And I, well, that's fine. I could be on the aisle seat if I could talk Frank being in the middle. And Frank went to the middle. He's a smaller guy, so it worked out. And he, you know, he had his water bugger bag and his Coke. And, and he, he goes and he sits down, and the guy... This big Texan, he looks at, at Frank and he looks at his cup and says, hey, when you're done with that, can I have it? And why, why would you want? And then he points to his cheek, which is bulging out. You got it. Got a big old chaw in his mouth. And Frank said, yeah, sure. But Frank, you know, he just started it. So 
so it was going to be a while. And so he asked one of the flight attendants for a, an empty cup. And the flight attendant goes, okay. Brings him an empty cup, sure enough, spits that out and puts it in the, you know, the, the, the seat in front and right there. That's how the flight started out. <laughs> and usually on a flight, I, I try to read the people around me. To see if they don't want to talk, you know, I understand it. We're in each other's space and give them some, you know, some peace and quiet. Um, but this guy wanted to talk. He was talking to Frank and... and I was sitting, you know, one over, Frank's in the middle, and so I pull out of my book and I start reading it. And he, he sees the book and he looks at me and says, excuse me, what book is that? And I thought to myself, well, this is going to be interesting because the book I was reading, this is a fact with my hand up, was written by a pastor of a very large church down in the St. Louis area in Fairview Heights. Uh, his name is Shane Bishop. And the name of the book is Love God, Love People, and Don't Do Dumb Crap. <laughs> I put my hand up. I bet you didn't expect to hear that word on a Sunday, a Sunday Easter Sunday morning sermon, did you? Love God, love people, and don't do dumb crap. Look it up. It's there. And I bought the book, and I was reading it, and I was having a good time reading it. And, you know, I explained to him about it. I said, you know, Shane's a friend of mine, and, and he wrote this book, and, you know, and he's a pastor and all this. And so I got back into my book, and I'm reading it, and he also is reading the book from two seats over. Read, and, and pretty soon he says, excuse me, can I read that? And it was really kind of cool. I was reading a section where Shane is talking about that when a lot of people will say, you've got to earn my respect. And Shane was making the point, what would be, what would be better is if we just approached everybody and, and, and give everybody respect and they have to earn your, our disrespect. But actually just respect everybody. And so I'm, I'm reading this, and obviously he's reading it too. And he said, can I read that, and that section? I said, sure, you can, read, you can just read the book uh, as we're flying if you want. He said, no, no, I just want to read this section. So he reads the section, and then he gives me back the book, and I'm reading it again. Um, and uh, not, not, nothing else was said. Because, you know, Frank was in between us. I was reading the book. And, and then we start descending into... Chicago, O'Hare, and we get on the ground, and I'm gathering things up, and God starts having this conversation with me. Does God ever speak inside of you? And you, you're speaking to God as well, called prayer. Um, but God does this to me every once in a while, and, and he, said, he said, give the text in your book. And my response was, no. <laughs> Not going to give him my book. He said, give the Texan your book. I said, you don't understand, Lord. And this is in my head. You don't understand. I just started reading a book. I'm really into this book, Lord. I don't want to give him my book. Give 
the text in your book. Well, Lord, I paid a lot of money for this book. I, I want to give my book. Give the text in your book. Okay. So, we get up, we're getting our stuff, and I take my book, hand it to him, and say, here, read this. I'm giving it to you. Now, what I thought he would say, what I thought he would say is, oh, no, that's okay. And if he had said that, I'd say, all right, I'll take it back. <laughs> say, see, Lord, he did what the book in the first place. But the Texan surprised me. He reached for the book, he took it, he looked me right in the eye and he said, thank you. I needed this. I don't know why. Story ends there, we go our separate ways. But I do believe God's going to use Shane's book in a mighty way in that man's life. Interesting side note. Last service, last hour, shaking hands with people. A couple came out and said, you know what? We're visiting. Shane's our pastor. We go to that church. <laughs> I said, well, I really haven't told Shane that story yet, but go ahead and tell him. I'll get around to telling him pretty soon. You know, God wants us to be like Mary and to share what we know about Jesus with him. Why is it so hard? Why do we want to cling on to that which we know and not share it with somebody else? You see, the message today is to be more like Mary Magdalene, who boldly walks forward and says, I have seen the Lord. Let me tell you about Jesus. Now, where does this story go from here? Well, we're going to uh, be looking at a couple other questions the next two Sundays of the resurrected Jesus. But I, I want to I sh share three things with you. It's the three things that Jesus shares with others in his resurrected state. Number one, fear not. Don't be afraid. Peace be with you. In other words, when you're going through this life, don't fear. Don't fear. Number two, tell others about me. Share your faith. Bear witness to what you know. And I love number three. Number three, Jesus said to his followers then, and he's saying it to us now, receive the power. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in this world the way I want you to walk through this world. No matter what happens in this world, receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? So when we leave this place on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Day, let's all commit to each other to be more like Mary who goes out and shares her faith. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you and I praise you for, for this incredible story. 
for your incredible work on the cross, in the tomb, and rising from the dead. Lord, help us to share that message with others. Help us to be able to be be followers of you who leave this place shouting, He is risen! He is risen! He's alive! Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand and praise our Savior. And it's okay, whenever we're showing our love for him, it's okay to clap and dance and sing out.
God and don't do dumb crap. Just see what you learn today. Go out and share that. But even more important, go and share your faith with someone who needs love, forgiveness, or hope. Point them toward God. Let him save them as he is saving you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the people of God, shout it. Amen. 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 That redeemed.